They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that doesn't always cover UFO stories from Alaska, but when we do, they most certainly involve wine. This is Hysteria 51. You meant bot booze. It's okay. I forgive you. I didn't. I didn't meet bot booze. I don't want to kill anyone. However, I will say I am enjoying a cocktail. Throwing it back to the old school. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. anyway? What's in your drink? What's it? We have those unused uh, promos that we had made. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what you got in that glass? <laughs> here, uh, insert it right here. What you drinking on? We having fun tonight. Yeah, what you sipping on? I need some drink in my life. So tell me what's up in your cup. What's up in your cup? So tell me what's up in your cup. What's up in your cup? And that's why we don't use it. <laughs> that was amazing. I don't know why we don't use that. And for the record, I am really kicking it old school. Guess what I'm drinking, Brent? Uh, an old fashioned. No, um, uh, older school vodka and and uh, monster rehab. Older school mead. <laughs> <laughs> vodka and monster rehab. Did you have a bad night last night? No, I just uh, wanted to get a little energy going. Also wanted to have a cocktail. Uh, uh, obviously, you're not listening to this at the same moment that we are recording, but this evening is the first night of the NFL draft. I'm a big NFL fan, so I'm going to have a few cocktails this evening. Figured I'd start it off before the uh, uh, before the draft. But well, there you go. let me get back to the point at hand. We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I'm your host, John Goforth, and sitting virtually across from me, 30 miles away, is the, uh, how can I say this, the Kenny Blankenship to my Vic Romano. My co-host, Mr. Brent Hand. You know, I was with you till that, and I don't even begin to understand that reference, John. Wait, wait, you don't? Didn't you ever watch MXC? It oh! Stood, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It stood for, uh, what was it, like Most, most extreme, extreme Elimination Challenge or something like that. Yeah, that, that was it. Like 15 years ago, Spike mm-hmm. TV, which I miss. Uh, it, 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 listeners, if you don't know, Spike TV redubbed a Japanese game show, yeah. and it was fucking hilarious. They're dressed like off- off-duty samurai <laughs> oh and they would, so yeah they the would, kitty blankenship uh, and vic romano threw me off there <laughs> yeah well yeah that was the those were the the two supposed hosts names uh and, and they would they would it was funny when they would describe what they're seeing on on screen they would say oh and here is uh here's joan salon uh she is a uh get this vic a salon worker from uh, saskatchewan and uh, she says she likes long walks on the beach yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knew like like they gave them fake names and fake fake jobs and it was just it, it was much funnier than what i just made up but uh, yeah he's like vic we got jack puller here he's a bowl milker from walla walla washington and yeah. uh, i don't think that there's a lot of future in that you know and it's just stupid stuff and it was always like quasi dirty or, or oh you know, it's great and it was it was absurd but 
like oddly mesmerizing. And and the great part about it was it was like in the spirit of the original show. The original show was not intended to be serious. Oh no, the and they were was, the original show was making fun of those people too, and they were there for that. And they would wear weird things and be like, oh, yeah, to yeah, fall. yeah. Um, you know, they all falling and, and doing stupid voices and, and, and so. fall. Yeah, and falling again. <laughs> uh, let here. Let's actually. You know what, Brent? Let's play him a clip. Smoking. <laughs> And this spirited young fellow is Avon much sought after fashion photographer. Oh, oh, he got bucked early. Yes, he did, Ken. Actually, that didn't count. We're going to let him get back up there. You know, models love this guy. He is known for his unrelenting positive attitude and his fanny pack full of amyl nitrates. Uh oh. There he goes. Oh, he's going down. I don't think he's going down, Ken. He's going into that little used side saddle ride. Oh. Oh, something's bothering him, I think. You learned that at a photo shoot at an Indian gaming casino, oh, and it didn't work for him here. He is bucked up, like you said. Oh, and he takes a full load from Herbie. He doesn't know whether to scream or smile. <laughs> that encapsulates it perfectly. <laughs> the original Japanese version was called Takeshi's Castle. I like to think I helped start Takeshi's career. Yeah, I'm sure. That other voice you're hearing is the third host of this show and the only one drunk enough to believe he launched an early 90s Japanese game show. He's the one, the only conspiracy bot. Prove I didn't. I built C-Bot in my lab to help write and produce a show, and instead he lies about creating other shows, apparently. C-Bot, you know, you don't even speak Japanese. I do. I'm just not going to dignify that accusation with a response. Chizumafin. Chizumafin. Mata. <laughs> that other robot voice you're hearing and the, the dulcet tones that he has and also seems to be getting smarter by the minute is Conspiracy Bot's robot creation slash minion, and his name is Kyle. Um, uh, smarter is, I guess, one way to put that. You know, is it a glitch when they do things they aren't supposed to be able to do? Can I get a ruling on that? <laughs> maybe i don't I, I, more importantly brent more importantly everyone is no one going to make the most obvious reference here domo arigato mr robato that's our phrase <laughs> uh <sighs> i am the mandarin man secret secret that's the the that's the the original studio version i don't know if you ever heard that one before yeah thank you thank you all right but seriously brent you did watch MXC. I did. And if you like that uh, vein of silliness, there is a YouTube channel called Djibouti Dubs, and they do all sorts of, of silly stuff like that. And they do a a show on there that's very similar. And it was it was hosted by the guy who used to, uh, what is his name? He has, he has dark hair, and he has that one little streak of blonde hair in it. Uh, John Henson, I think, is his name. Dark hair, blonde, uh, vanilla ice. What was the show that... Are you talking about The Soup? The Soup, yeah. He was one of the hosts of The Soup. Thank you very much. Anyway, not The Soup, but he it was a very similar to MXC, and they would redub it on there. They have several of those, and it's pretty funny. It's like, oh, Brenda, you bitch. Oh, you did that on purpose. Because you know, they're, they're couples running it instead of... Uh, just one person, but they're doing similar obstacles and things like that. <laughs> Djibouti dubs. Well, I, I haven't, I haven't checked that out. I will. Um, I, uh, I really liked Spike TV when it was on. So um, it's funny you said that. I was sitting watching Spike TV years ago with Lisa, and there was the, uh, what was it called? Like a million ways to die. Was that the show? 
or a million horrible ways to die or something. Oh, are you talking about like the documentary about different ways people... Yeah, it was like a series, you know, and every week was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So there's this one, and this guy was on an airplane, he was a heavier set guy, and he gets sucked out of a window. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, that dude looks incredibly familiar. And it just bugged me. You know, I'm like, why? And so I go to IMDb, and he was a kid that went to our school, but left in like the third grade, fourth grade, and I was really good friends with him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ben Dunn was his name. So Ben Dunn, if you're out there, shout out Ben Dunn. I, I if you're listening you on there, if you're listening, call in. This isn't even a call in. Like show. a stalker, I'm like, I know him. I know him. It was just weird. Like my my recessed brain was like, you recognize that face. So I just pulled up. I just pulled up Spike TV just to remind me of any other programming I'm forgetting. Here's something I didn't know. In 2003, they came out with the Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon. I have to go check that out. The adult party cartoon. That's exactly what it's called. I I, I, I know nothing else other than what I just like read to you. In the background. It's an adult party. <laughs> um, uh, Afro Samurai. They had Afro yeah. Samurai. Uh, they had Blade the Series, which was short lived. Very short lived. Yep. And not Wesley Snipes. Oh gosh, they had a um, they had a TV version of the Shannara Chronicles. Interesting. And, Boy, almost all of their shows lasted like a year. Yeah. They were greenlighting a lot of stuff. Just see what stuck, I think. I miss I miss Spike TV, uh, mostly for MXC. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something else I watched right around. You know what MXC, I miss? But, uh, the, I, I also miss uh, G4 is what I was I about to say. I literally was just going to say that. I loved Attack of the Show. I really, yeah, really Yeah, me too. It. Just a fun, silly, you know, tech news and updates and stuff like that and I don't know. It was a lot of fun, and I was sad to see it go. No, I, I well, and uh, thank you, Attack of the Show, for Olivia Munn. Yeah, I, I, I was a bigger fan of her until she started, like, I don't know, talking in the real world. Hey, I, <laughs> you cannot, you cannot. Li- I'm not objectifying one, her. I'm not one of her. my favorite X-Men movies from the series is Apocalypse. Good God, man. She's in it. She was Psylocke. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, she lived. She, and, so she, and she still, wasn't horrible. She was like, she, let, let's be honest. She was not horrible. You can't say let's be honest and follow up with a trash lie like that. The, the movie, um, the, what the, was uh, the, that other guy? Uh, boy, I I don't know what happened to him. Kevin Pereira. Oh yeah, yeah. He's not really done much. Well, and you had like towards the end there. Um, who was the Playboy model that went on there? The blonde. She's actually pretty good oh, though. Oh, uh, Sarah. Uh, yeah, it was Sarah. Someone, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I don't regardless they were some fun segments and stuff on there and just silliness and you could see you you know Sarah Underwood Sarah Sarah Underwood Underwood. yeah you could see e-gaming before it was really a a caught on thing so yeah I I, I just I just love they mean they talked about things that interested me and I think that they were maybe a little ahead of their time Oh, I completely agree. With that. I think like G4 launches today. It does. That's what I mean. I well. think they just missed out on a window. Of, well, they'd be doing very well right now. Uh, you know, everyone could be yeah, competing right. uh, in their e- esports from home. E-gaming being the, the literally the only sports being played in America right now. Yeah. It's the only, that and bowling are the only ones with someone with my physique can uh, excel at. Except for, you watch these documentaries with these e-gamers and they wake up and run like six miles and they're all really skinny and, and in great shape because it takes so much out of them so fuck you e-gamers fuck you well and and uh, <laughs> but brent you you can participate in sports right now if you go to georgia because they opened the fucking bowling alleys well it is essential <laughs> it's essential 
You know, I mean, they say... I mean, I'm not trying to turn this into a thing. Uh, you can debate the merits of, of this, that, and the other, I, specifically how quickly they reopened. But to be to have bowling alleys, of all things, well, on John, that list... I feel silly for you even have to tell you this, but one of the quickest ways to defeat COVID-19 is picking up a 6-7-10 split. That's just, oh, shit. Everyone knows that. And now you do. Was that, was that in Dr. Fauci's presser today? I missed it. It was the underlined. He was getting at it, but you had to read between the lines. Kind of thing. Oh, 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 oh. And you probably had to be plugged into 5G. That's the way it goes. Yeah. I shit my pants, <laughs> right. killed three nations, and figured it all out. You know, thank you, 5G. <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of, I don't know. Well, let's, hear, let's hear this number, transition. Let's let's go for it. Speaking of a random number that's not five, JLL Flight 1628. You don't need transitions. You're just lucky I give them. And you're welcome. That's that's Japanese Airlines J-A-L, Flight 1628 for you beginners. JAL, it sounds like it's some superhero group. <laughs> JAL Flight. You know, they were the ones that beat the shit out of the West Coast Avengers. <laughs> Who but couldn't this really? is Let's literally though john for real though this is a very very interesting ufo sighting event whatever you want to yeah. call it and it's it's got some some credence to it and this one really sets it apart from some of the others because of that and it also is kind of set apart because outside of the realm of people in the know of that world a lot of people haven't heard of it and it's also set apart because you're the one who suggested it instead of me true i did I see a bad moon rising. No one wants to hear you singing. No one wants to hear me singing. Well, I, I mean, you said it had some credence. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> there we go. Hey, All yes. right, so, so it's an yes, incident. Winning. This is a UFO incident, John. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, this was my suggestion. Uh, first, I just enjoyed the fact that we were talking about an airline that didn't disappear. Like literally, we can talk about an airline incident that didn't involve the potential loss of life. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert: No one dies in this one. There you uh, go. But I also, it's also really interesting, I think, on a couple of different levels. I, I think, first, the fact that it's multination or multinational. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and, and also, I, it's probably in the best way to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I always feel like uh, the Japanese people are better at not sensationalizing things. I feel like in America, we're really guilty of just well, sensationalizing and we're see, everything. Uh, even talking about it, what they do to you from Japan. Right. And so and so like in, instantaneously, because I have that opinion uh, and of course I'm stereotyping and of course I'm painting with broad strokes. But because I had that opinion, it had more credence. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will add to that, too. Just a little part of you, it does have a lot of other credence to me, too, because you have the military weighing in. You have the FAA weighing in. You have radar and things like that. So it's a fun. One. We're going to get into it. So let's let's right, break let's do down it. the incident. So it was on November 17th of 1986. There was a movie back in the day. One of the things I love to do was just rent random movies. We had a family video and they had the two for one uh, dollar. You got two movies, mm-hmm. $1, seven days. And there was one that was just called 1986. And the whole thing, they'd just be like, ah, man, uh, are you cooking dinner? You know, it was like this post-apocalyptic, yeah, I hate cooking since 1986. And every time, it's the stupidest thing, I hear 1986, I think of that god-awful movie. And I've tried through the years to find it, and I can't. So if anyone's got it banging around somewhere, I want it. I'll buy it from you. <laughs> I'll pay shipping. Nation, you've been challenged. <laughs> so November 17th, 1986, 
uh, Japan Airlines flight, like John said, 1628. It's a cargo plane, and it had a cargo of what was it? What was it, John? Bougelet wine. Bougelet. And it was wine from parents to Narito International Airport, which is near Tokyo. Important cargo. That is to all of us, not just you. Uh, yeah, we would agree with that. Yeah, as flights often do, they take it in legs because you're traveling a big, long distance. And this part of the journey, which all the stuff that we're going to tell you happened, was a leg that was from Reykjavik, Iceland to Anchorage, Alaska. That way they can skirt the ice wall and avoid the firmament without anyone growing suspicious. That tracks. For me. <laughs> I, I actually believe that. Yeah. 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 Um, Brent, there were three crew members on board. Huge 747, only three crew members. Yes, it's a cargo plane, so th- they don't they don't have a bunch of people on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they uh, just need the people to make it fly. Now, um, I'll I'll go ahead and and uh, try the names. I'm not great at this, but Captain Kenju uh, Tarachi. I believe it's Captain Kenju Tarashi. We're trying our best. <laughs> go ahead, uh, Captain K. Yeah, there you go. And he was a ex fighter pilot with more than ten thousand. Hours now, what did they say? Experience. How many hours is to be an expert at something? Uh, 10,000 10, hours. So he's he's an expert at flying uh, with and, and without people trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he's also someone we're going to go into a bit of a deeper dive. Yeah, yeah, he's an important he's an important guy. Yep. Co-pilot, Takanori uh, Temifuji. Yep. And then there was the flight engineer, uh, Yoshio Sukuba. Uh, Sukuba. Y- Yoshio Sukuba. Yoshio Sukuba. They were flying a Boeing 747-200F cargo plane. So like we said, uh, think about, uh, what was the movie? Castaway. You know, he's on that huge-ass plane, but there's only like three of them on there. Right, and, and just a bunch of wine. Yeah, and, and not a lot of windows. And around 5.11 p.m. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> It's not like they're not just in the front of the plane, but around 5.11 p.m., this is local time, the plane was straightening out from a turn, and the captain spots something in the air off to the 5 o'clock. And what he saw, and what the others did see, too, appeared to them at that time. The others did see this. They said there appeared to be two craft or lights that were out there, and they were pacing both their speed and their path. They were about 2,000 feet below the, the airplane's altitude. They were around 35,000 feet, and these were around 33,000. And they said from there they looked like they were about the size of the body of a DC-8 jet. So not small. They were larger craft. Yeah, in fact, uh, Captain K later reported that uh, after initially seeing them, he assumed them to be uh, military aircraft of, of some type. It, yeah, and you've got to figure you're out there in the middle of nowhere. You You see that stuff a lot. Uh, then something strange will happen that, that kind of turned him <laughs> away from that is they quickly flew ahead of the plane and got much closer, like just pulling out in front of them, cutting them off almost. And the captain described the movement as extremely odd because if you think about this, they navigate planes away from other planes. Everyone has their their right of way, so to speak. So you should never be in the path of other planes if people are doing their jobs correctly. That's right. And it was also extremely odd because it seemed to um, not exactly observe the laws of nature. Here's a quote. He went on to say, the the thing was flying as if there was no such thing as gravity. It sped up and stopped, then flew at our speed in our direction so that to us, it appeared to be standing still. The next instant, it changed course. 
In other words, the flying object had overcome gravity. He should have said the idea of gravity. We don't know if it's true or not, thanks to our flat earth friends, but this is an important detail uh, and one that we find in a lot of these reports. The one that it makes it stick out so much is that it is defying gravity. I'm sorry, gravity. (laughs) It is defying the known laws of physics. And you know how it does that? Gravitons. Gravitons. There you go manipulation thereof it's also why the tic-tac videos are so important they seem to defy these known laws of physics that is a a, a telling thing especially when someone who's been flying for as long as they have or he has you kind of know how these videos had the same thing in common that captain k's report had in common he also said that uh throughout their movement their lights became dazzlingly dazzlingly bright i have a hard time saying that word but dazzlingly bright uh so much so that he could feel the warmth of the glow yeah it was almost like he was caught and this is a bad example but it's almost like he was caught in the jet wash or something for lack of a better term but none of the adverse effects of being caught in one like goose buying the farm (laughs) yeah Talk to me, Goose. Sequel's coming out soon, Talk right? to me, Goose. I mean, who knows? With 2020 going the way it is, I, I would assume so, though, right? And so I, was, I was reading an article the other day about Val, Val Kilmer, my hero. Uh, actually, a really interesting article. Uh, I didn't know this. He had been, he's been battling throat cancer. Very long time, yeah. He did uh, make an appearance, though, in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. He played Buttman of Buttman and Chronic. In the movie. Oh wow! Yeah, I I haven't I haven't seen the reboot. It's fun. It's fun. You should watch it. It's kind of a a love letter to his fans, but it's a fun one. Back to the story though. It was at this point our captain thought it might be a good idea to let air traffic control know that they've got some visitors because shit's going to ride. He can feel heat coming off these things that are in front of him. Anchorage Tower. This is JAL Flight sixteen twenty eight. I just shit my pants. Over. That checks out. Actually, again. <laughs> I think I think that was actual recordings. The only problem, <laughs> the only problem, I'm saying there was one, but they didn't see anything or any other aircraft on radar at that time. Then, after hanging out for a bit, the object left just as quickly as they had seemed to have come, and this part of the entire incident had taken roughly about 12 minutes. It's a long time to see something, but not a long time in the grand scope of things. Brent, one question. Is it a possibility it was a speed buggy or two speed buggies? There's always the possibility of speed buggy, but not right now. What would it have sounded like when they left? I don't know. I just don't know. (laughs) You're hurting my feelings. All right. Well, we've had a wild time in the skies over Alaska, but we're not done yet, kids. When we come back, a possible third UFO. Three UFOs! Get the fuck out of here! I know, it's nuts. And if there was a third UFO, how big was it? (laughs) That's next on Hysteria 51. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So 
it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. John, we were talking about seeing two UFOs. The incident continues. Well, technically, we were talking about Walmart. Let's be honest. But 
Everyone knows, though, the Walmarts can't fly above 27,000 feet. That's their, their ceiling. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I did my research this week. Uh, thank you. Word to your moms. Brent came to drop yeah, bombs. I got more rhymes than Walmart's got out of stock toilet paper orders. <laughs> You're welcome. It just flows nicely. All right, Brent, I think we should start some facts. Well, we should have, but <laughs> here we are several minutes in. So <laughs> well, let's, get to let's at least give it a shot. The first incident or sighting uh, was observed by all three crew members, or rather, I guess a better way to say it would be all three acknowledged observing unexplained lights behaving, I don't know, irrationally. Right, right, right. However, most of the quotes, most of the accounts actually come specifically from from Captain K. Yeah. Now, I don't, uh, I think I'm going to call him Captain T because, you know, that's his last name. But you call him Captain K, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. I'm, I'm going to stick with Captain K. I, I've, you know, once you commit, Brent, you just commit. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and there's a reason for that, because once this whole thing's over, he actually talks to the media about it, uh, which lands him in some hot water, which we'll get to later, yeah. um, involving him manning a desk rather than a plane. Yeah, like you said, I think it kind of ties in. They did not like him talking about it openly, but he did end up flying again. It took some time, though. It took years before they'd let him. But th- him talking to the media is one of the one of the main reasons, I suppose, that that. that that we have the accounts that we have from him. What if he was just a really horrible uh, person to work with and it had nothing to do with that. And everyone's just like, aha, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, his, his superiors are like, uh, we have no doubt you saw UFOs. You probably saw aliens, right? Right. He's just, but drunk. man, you're a shithead. He's just drunk flying all the, this is terrible. <laughs> this guy, he's like, what did I ever do to you? <laughs> I'm just saying options. There's always options. Hey, you know what, Brent? Captain Sully, he is not. That USA. Uh, USA. I'm sorry. I, I didn't even mean that. Yeah, or, and Tom Hanks playing Captain Sully is not either, but that's beside the point. Yeah, so. You do not want Tom Hanks captaining your ship of any type. Look at me. Or actually, look you don't want me. him on your ship. I mean, let's think I'm about the this. captain now. <laughs> well, yeah, that. Uh, so Captain Phillips. Mm-hmm. Is that what that was called? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, of course, you have Sully, and then uh, you also have Castaway. Yeah, right? He wasn't want, the captain, but he was on the ship. That, and Apollo 13. You just don't travel with him. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Joe versus the volcano. Shit happens <laughs> when he goes on holiday or, or work vacations. <laughs> now, granted, he did go there to die, but he didn't even get that done. So, you know. Oh, well. Back to the <laughs> whole night. And question, then he though, goes no. to Australia and catches COVID-19. Back to the whole night question, though. The two objects have left their view, but then something else strange happens, as does seem to happen in most of our stories. A pale white light appeared behind the aircraft, and it silhouetted against lights on the ground, and it looked like this immense Saturn-shaped object. The size uh, the captain estimated of either one two or four aircraft carriers the reason we say it like that is because if you read one article online it'll say the size of an one entire aircraft carrier and then you read another another account of the story the size of two aircraft carriers yeah. and then i even found one that said the size of four so aircraft what, carriers. what had happened was it was behind him and he couldn't really see it and they were getting pings this is when it did show up on radar and they could see the reflection so he had said he didn't know but it was massive and and, and people i think have taken and ran with that whatever they want however to i do know you know this thing was so huge it was you know bigger than a walmart that is true that checks it's out. true 
He thought that it was, and this is true. This is what he said. He thought it was a mothership that carried the two smaller objects themselves uh, of no inconsequential size. He said those were large, large objects, and boom, they flew up into this. Now, here's the important part. The other two flight crew members did not see this object. He's the only one who says that he saw the mothership, quote unquote. And equally of note, air traffic control didn't catch the object on radar either. Yeah. However, NORAD's regional operations control center did. Yeah, so they called them up to see if they could find anything. And NORAD's like, uh, what the fuck's behind you? That's a quote that I just made up. And he's like, I don't know, LOL, mothership. I think things might have gotten and lost. And he said LOL. Yeah, things got lost in translation. But R-O-F-L. <laughs> The, th- the important part of this story here, though, is military confirmation of something does add a lot of credence to something actually being there. And they have, I see a bad moon rising. And the 747 did some turning and maneuvering. And just like with the two smaller objects, the captain reported that the larger object followed in formation. Now, by maneuvering, they were instructed to do a complete 360 degree turn. He does the 360 and the thing followed so that they knew that it was actually tracking the plane, not just on a similar, incredibly dangerous course. And I say incredibly dangerous because the uh, previous objects and then this object are very close and at similar altitudes shouldn't be happening in the air. Well, Brent, I have a little bit of information for you. I did a little bit of deeper research, uh, probably deeper than you did. And uh, that 360 degree turn was done twice. And then there was a, um, I don't know, let's call it a, a, a longer 360 degree turn. Uh, and then if you looked at the map of the flight plan, it looked like a big penis. <laughs> have you seen, have you seen uh, those memes? Like where, where just bored, <laughs> bored pilots and, do shit like that. Or the guys that like they turn on run tracker and go draw out a dick. <laughs> or a dinosaur, but for some reason, I, I assume that you look at the dick ones. So that's why I was saying that. I do. Fight me. I, I don't I, even know why. <laughs> anyway, Anchorage Air Driving Control asked a nearby United Airlines flight to swing by because, you know, hey, you're in the area. Can you see if you can <laughs> hey, see anything? Hey, you guys busy? Hey. <laughs> but they reported that the Japanese Airlines flight 1628 was there and they couldn't see any other aircraft in the vicinity. So then air traffic control offered military intervention, meaning they said, hey, Captain, we'll call the military and I can call up what he said is I can call up the military desk and ask them to scramble up something. He declined. And that's interesting to me. He said, no, thank you. What do you make of that? So, OK, I what do I think of that? I everywhere that I've researched uh, when when they reference the the decline of military intervention, mm-hmm. it, it always ref- references the same thing. They say that he knew or he was aware yep. of the Mantell UFO incident right. in 1948. And it's like, that seems so anecdotal. But may- maybe he put that in a report somewhere or something. But <sighs> Yeah, and that is, even if you watch the, the videos that, that are just playing the audio from, because they have the audio from the, like the air traffic controllers. And, right, the ATC side. Yeah, yeah, you can even read a transcript on the Wikipedia. They'll put in parentheses, because he knew of the 1948 incident, which is a telling thing, because one thing we haven't gotten into, and we're going to get into this after the break, but... He was very aware of UFOs. 
and this wasn't his first soiree. It just seems like um, a, a stretch. Uh, so he saw something the size of Saturn, or what he perceived to be, or at least the shape of Saturn, yeah. uh, all known to be UFOs, and he declined all military assistance because he knew of a 40-year-old UFO case. I uh, I mean, I know the, the plane got shot down in the Mantell thing, but... Still, it just it, it that just doesn't track to me. That's where I was going to go with that next is he thought, well, if I tell them what's going on and they're going to scramble jacks, they're going to kill me so that I keep this under wraps. That's a leap or not That's a big leap or not. If you truly believe that this is happening and uh, no, it's a leap specifically because of the Beaujolais wine. We all know that Alaskans uh, crave Beaujolais wine. And so they would never have shot that down. Well, it's the only thing that keeps them warm in their igloos because they all live in igloos, just like people in Canada. And they, they use <laughs> uh, walrus blubber to make, uh, to mix with the wine and they drink it. And it, and before they go into what they call the Alaskan slumber, which is they sleep for six months of the year. And if they get caught out in the cold, they actually sleep inside Tom Tom's. Uh, yeah, well, they say they they smell worse on the inside than the outside, so that's interesting. <laughs> Luckily, though, John, there was none of those flying in the sky. <laughs> so many jokes I want to make. Uh, nothing happened other than the visual and the radar contacts, and the plane arrived safely in Anchorage at six twenty p.m. local time. The whole incident taking just over thirty minutes. So the first part was twelve. The whole thing is only like a half hour. And most of the time, this is the part where we go, oh, just kidding. Then it crashed. No, no. They, they really, they landed safely and really nothing else right. happened. It, it, well, things happen, but not in the air like that. Not, not, not in the with air. this yeah. flight. And it does get weirder. And it gets to the parts that I really like. My favorite part's coming up because John's going to have to get off the call. That's coming up next. <laughs> what, John? I think you're breaking up on Hysteria 51. Damn it. Oh, it looks like I have extra time. Oh, my. Okay, one of my favorite words every time, not every time, but a lot of times when we come back after a second break, aftermath, because it's just a fun, a fun word. It is. It is. I agree. Now, uh, in what context are you going to give it to What's us? the aftermath? <laughs> Use it in a sentence. I'm using the word aftermath in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> What's its language of origin? Well, I'm speaking English, aren't Swahili, I, you idiot? you asshat. <laughs> to start, we're going to talk about the captain. Captain Tarashi. believe, again, I'm sorry on his name, but this is a captain with 29 captain years. Captain K, I told you. 29 years of flying experience. And he referred to the object as a UFO in the official FAA report. Now, that is bad UFO just because of the stigma attached to it. And that is why the government has moved away from the term. Let me go ahead and give the disclaimer that we've given about 375 times on this show. Uh, we don't even have that many episodes, but I'll, I'm going to give it anyway. UFO means unidentified flying object. So it was an object. It was flying, and it's not identified. It does not mean extraterrestrial. However, a vast majority of the world perceives that that uh, acronym to mean extraterrestrial so it's kind of a stigma that can that can follow words exactly you know? and so this is this is a big thing but a month later he gave an interview to Coyote news and was subsequently grounded as we referred to earlier to a desk job as we mentioned he was only reinstated as a pilot many years later i had to give him a spanking so 
It it took you many years to do so. (laughs) There's a couple things to go on with that, like we said. Like, how do you spank somebody with a pincher? True. Uh, With a lot of gusto. Um, (laughs) The thing with him is, you said it's a different culture over there. And it can be perceived. Are we talking about Japan or wherever Kyle's from? (laughs) Japan. It can be perceived as a little bit of a... A flippant thing, especially when they're talking, you know, uh, respects really big and things like that. And then you go on the record and go, yeah, I saw UFO and they go, yeah, but the stigma. Yeah, I know. And he believed that it was from another world. He wasn't using as the tongue in chief cheek as tongue in cheek. Oh, it was a UFO. I don't know what it was. He literally believed and has went on record saying he thought they were of another world. Yeah, yeah, he and was not shy about saying it. Yeah. These were, uh, uh, you might as well replace UFO with extraterrestrial here. Now, I thought about this a lot, and before we did this, I reached out Uh-oh. to two different airline pilots here in America, because I know things are different, and uh, they're, they're current commercial pilots, and I asked them about UFOs and how- After you were wrestled off the flight? Right. Well, you know, I had uh, some and time. They told- <laughs> they had to get the door open. Hey, I got a question. They, they told you. They told you never reach out and touch our pilots again. <laughs> I did ask them though how they handle reports, and the reply was the same from both of them. They said there used to be a special code if you saw something, you could say this, uh, but it's it's something that's no longer in use. And one stated, "Here's a quote: In all my training, there hasn't been any encouragement or discouragement about the topic." So that's one thing, but talking to the press is another story. And I know just in working with the companies that I have before, you have to have media training just to talk to the press or you could lose your job on the spot. And I'm sure something like that along those lines is in place in situations like this. John, what do you think? Isn't that been the case, you know, with places that you you've worked at, if you need to talk to the media that you had to have training or, or the okay. Well, first I want to touch on, uh, you mentioned there was a special code. If you yeah, saw something, I was waiting for you no to ask me, you want to know what it was? Uh, uh, I actually do know what it was. What was it? Uh, it it's a uh, ATC. This is JAL flight 1628. We have seen a fucking UFO. <laughs> I believe that was the, uh, the exact verbiage. The term they use was Santa Claus. So I actually thought it might be, <laughs> which is, which is almost as inane as what I yeah, just said. We have a Santa Claus off of our five o'clock. And that was just the the understood thing that they don't use anymore. All right, but back to your question, what do I think? I think that uh, I mean you're 100 percent right. That, uh, no matter what company you you work for, uh, most of the time when you uh, when you join companies, you sign your new you know your new employee packet, and there is uh, there's enough verbiage in there to to make Facebook's privacy policy look almost normal. And, and a lot of it is about, you know, can you sue? Do we, you know, if you do sue, do we go to arbitration? That's you know, the word. And- Kids, you don't want arbitration because that means you get shit. Say it with me now. Right. No arbitration. No arbitration. And, and also a lot in a lot of the verbiage in there has to do with how you would uh, deal with the, um, the, the the media, the general public, speaking on behalf of the company. That's why whenever you see public-facing figures who work somewhere like, uh, let's say I'm the chief marketing officer at some big tech firm and I'm on Twitter, the first thing you'll see under my Twitter, like byline or whatever you call it, uh, is uh, opinions my own, not of not of the yeah. company. Um, I just to feel... Be, to be and then, you know, insert horribleness. Yeah. That seems yeah. to be how people use Twitter. But that's just my all Martians are Nazis. Yeah. Like what? What about Wait. the gray Martians? You go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly, though, 
going back to this, the the news did get him to talk to Scoyota News. They then reached out to the FAA and they got their thoughts on the whole thing. And the FAA confirmed the incident, but we're not done yet. So the Alaskan region of the FFA then consulted with the chief of the accidents and investigations branch, a cat by the name of John Callahan. And he's a big name who, who is definitely not. Irish. And uh, his brother runs Callahan auto parts in St. Dusky, <laughs> Ohio. But that's a separate thing. If I uh, stick my head up a cow's ass, <laughs> you're going to tell me the stakes. Well, I can't I'm not even doing the quote right. I don't know. But... All right. I, what do you say? Is I, I get a good look. Stick my head up a cow's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. <laughs> Oh, that's such a good Yeah, movie. so Callahan said he had no idea what they were talking about and to send all relevant data to the command center in New- command center in New Jersey. Also commenting it was likely the flight of a stealth bomber. This is what he said right when the stuff happened because he didn't really know what was going on. He was just like, ah, it's probably a flight uh, stealth bomber. Send us what you got. So they get the info, yeah, Brent. Vice Admiral VA. They have a meeting with a vice admiral, Donald, vice admiral Donald Engine. Yeah, so he was briefed a day later on the incident. And he, uh, in this meeting, the, there's some cool shit yeah, that happened. Yeah. First, he told everyone in the meeting to keep quiet unless they were given the permission to talk about it. Uh, attending this said meeting were members of the FBI, the CIA, and President Reagan's scientific study team, among now, others. This, this, this meeting is on record, so... Uh, we do know that it did happen and these things because it is in the FAA's report. That meeting was lit. We had pizza rolls and rainbow punch Kool-Aid mixed with bot booze. <sighs> anyway, that uh, I believe listen, for some I, reason. I, I, I the pizza that. rolls, I yeah. believe. Um, when the meeting finished, everyone in the room was told that the incident was secret and that the very meeting they were sitting in never now, took place. Uh, you giggle, but I have to think that that's just added to the end of all meetings and all documents printed out at the cia <laughs> i just once i, I want to be in a meeting where whoever's leading the meeting goes hey just just want y'all to know this meeting never happened okay guys i'm gonna parking lot this question and i'll parking lot your asses if you tell anyone this meeting ever happened <laughs> because everyone knows when things go to the parking no, lot i'm gonna parking lot back. this question and i'm gonna abandon lot your <laughs> ass if you ask questions well the parking lot's where things go to die so i i don't know uh, actually you know what i probably don't want to be in a meeting where where i'm told it didn't happen because man it <laughs> whatever the subject matter was was probably not something i wanted to be involved right. with yeah yeah john and his touching tendencies finally on march 5th of 87 wait, wait, what hmm? finally on march 5th of 87 the faa held a press conference to announce their quote unquote findings i love being able to say quote unquote they retracted the earlier FAA suggestions that it had, in fact, been a UFO. Instead, they basically said it was technical difficulty. To be specific, though, they called it a split radar image with just bad timing. So that's what. In other words, had. yeah, in bad timing, meaning the split radar image happened right when Captain K happened to be seeing shit. Yeah. They went on to say the. the uh, and here's a quote the FAA did not have enough material to confirm that something was there. But they were accepting the descriptions by the crew. They just could not support those descriptions with proof. Which is actually a little bit more generous than most of the reports that come out. Right. Yeah, it definitely sounds fishy, though. It is worth pointing out that this wasn't the captain. Oh, my captain. Good captain's first UFO spotting while in the air. And that leads to some doubt of the veracity of the claims. 
Right. So, uh, 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 and I, not uh, not casting aspersions and not making a judgment here, but this wasn't his first UFO sighting. Where and and specifically calling them UFOs, as in uh, in his vernacular, extraterrestrial. So, um, unfortunately or unfortunately, that leads mm-hmm. some folks to take it with a grain. I salt. asked. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. I asked the um, one of the the, the airline pilots. Uh, do you see stuff? And he goes, you see weird stuff all the time, but who knows what it is. So take that for the grain of salt. Um, 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 he, we both know him. He needs to, he needs to stop drinking a little bit and they're called clouds. <laughs> so enter fearless turd blossom, Philip J class. Oh, one of our heroes. If you've listened to this show, you know how much we love Philip. Yeah, he's just the guy here. Uh, I want to prove you wrong. I want to prove this guy wrong. I'll pay you to lie. <laughs> And the worst part about it is, like, there have been incidents where Philip Class has made good points this about is how one it of was. Them. A- I mean, he's he's done really good research. He was just stuck in a way of thinking that made him, right. uh, yeah, just it would a, force a him to. Pickle. He would he would he would fabricate stuff and and say wrong things and be be vile and 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 repugnant in in different ways. Uh, in order to further his own uh, belief Yeah, system. so there's this book Where, called The UFO Invasion, and it's got lots of essays and articles and stuff, and he, he's quoted in there. And one of the things in there uh, from him says, the FAA information reveals Tarashi to be a UFO repeater with two other UFO sightings prior to November 17th and two more this past January. Now, that past January is important because they were in the same airspace and he saw lights again which normally raises a caution flag for experienced UFO investigators. The JAL pilot is convinced that UFOs are extraterrestrial, and when describing the lights, he often used the term spaceship or mothership. That is all true. He really did, and he believed that that's what they were. And, as he said, the captains made such claims previously. He does believe that they're from another world. And in, during his January 2nd interview with FAA officials, the captain said that he believed the quote unquote mothership intentionally positioned itself in the darkest or easterly side of the sky because, and here's a quote, I think they did not want to be seen. This enabled the UFO to see the 747 in front of the sunset and visible for the movements that they were making, but he and other people couldn't really see it because of the glints in, in where they were positioned. And in his report to the FAA, he expressed the hope that we humans will meet them in the new future. Not near future, new future. I'm looking forward to the new future. Well, I'm working on a time tangent now, time heist. And so we're going to have a lot of splintered new futures. So Can we whiteboard that? Yeah, we can. You know what? I'll parking lot it. All right. Thank you. Those... Even though they're brought up by Philip J. Class, they do raise good concerns. I I think, though, John, the question for me at least becomes, do you think someone is less credible because they come forward with something? Why come forward if you know it will cause a ship storm for you, too? It's kind of like a double-edged sword, but also why hide it? And who's hiding what or, or, or why? I mean, what do you think about that? I definitely don't think you're less credible because you come forward with something. That's like a, that that's a, a logical fallacy. However, if you asked me a different question, if you said, are you less credible? If this is the fourth time you've come forward with something that hasn't been proven, I, I say, yes, I, I, I say that I think it's human condition, human, um, uh, just the way we're built to, 
offer it's like the boy who cried wolf to offer less less credibility to to something that that you've said has happened before that was never proven and now you're saying it happened again yeah i think yeah i think there's a certain amount of legitimacy to that i do another thing to 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 remember in this and this comes from there's ufo skeptic robert schaefer uh, he said the bottom line is Tarashi's own flight crew only saw lights and the other aircraft checking out the situation saw nothing unusual so i mean they did see something but he's forgetting the point of norad pinged it on radar there are other we're going to get into a little bit more because they're saying that this is all being covered up and they're leaving oh captain my captain as the scapegoat because remember john callahan of the faa he was a big name that's irish john yeah, Callahan. so he you? was like three deaths away from the the head of the faa he was one of the heads of the faa i don't know if you knew this or not but he was a police chief in detroit of before course he was. uh before before he took on the FAA. Right. Uh, he worked with a guy named Murphy. It is Captain Callahan. He worked with a guy named Murphy. You just blew up half of a damn city block. This is coming out of your paycheck, McClonsky. <laughs> they all have names. Like what that. kind of operation you think I'm running here, boy? So he talked about the meeting with the CIA, the FBI, the Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, and everyone that was in that fucking cabal secret meeting. <laughs> Here's a quote, though, and remember, like I said, he was the FAA chief of accidents and investigations, and this is from a videotaped interview for the Disclosure Program who, who talked to him about this specific incident. Here's a quote. This was one of the guys from the CIA, okay, that they were never there and this never happened. At the time, I said, well, I don't know. Why are you saying this? I mean, there was something there, and if it's not the stealth bomber, then you know it's a UFO. And if it's a UFO, why wouldn't you want the people to know? Oh, they got all excited over that. You don't even want to say those words. He said this is the first time they ever had 30 minutes of radar data on a UFO, and they're all itching to get their hands onto the data and to find out what it is and what really goes on. He says if they come out and told the American public that they ran into a UFO out there, it would cause panic across the country. So therefore, you can't talk about it, and they are going to take all the data. Hold on. Can I, can I pause you there one second? Yeah. He's already kind of not done a great job representing the the event because they didn't have 30 minutes of UFO well, data. Well, they did. There's that, that I'll get into that in a minute. He went on to say the only ones that see a UFO in the TV programs are the rednecks out in the country that are going coon hunting or alligator hunting at night. You don't find anyone with any kind of smarts or some professional individual saying, hey, last night, let me tell you about what I saw. They don't display that in the United States. So if you talk about seeing a UFO, you're putting yourself in a funny kind of category. That's probably one of the reasons why you don't hear about it anymore. But as far as I'm concerned, I saw a UFO chase a Japanese 747 across the sky for over half an hour on radar, and it's faster than anything that I know in our government. What did he see? Well, he says that there is weather radar in the nose cone of the 747 and on their other radar, and it pinged it the entire time. He could see it. He watched it. They saw it in the meeting, and it was confiscated and told it doesn't exist. And that is what he said. So what did he see? Like I said, 
He said, this is another quote, the UFO was bouncing around the 747. It was a huge ball with lights running around it. This is from the video that they got of it. Well, I've been involved in a lot of cover-ups with the FAA. When we gave the presentation to the Reagan staff, they had all those people swear that this never happened, but they never had me swear it never happened. I can tell you that I've seen with my own eyes, I've got a videotape, I've got the voice tape, I've got the reports that were filed that will confirm what I've been telling you. This whole fucking thing... That's a lot coming out from a high up FAA official who is over in accidents and investigations saying, holy shit, man, it was a UFO and the government told me not to talk about it. I mean, especially as a former Detroit police chief, I the fact that he'd come out for real, though, that's a heavy thing. And he's saying that he saw it. Uh, it gives us more. Well, he's saying he saw. He said he saw the radar, saw the radar, images, and, yeah. and videotapes yeah. of, of the radar images and things like that. Um, you know, and they they kind of paint a picture, kind of like your Tic Tac video, exactly like that. You know, um, what really happened up there? What do you think, John? I I don't doubt he saw it. I I don't. I actually don't doubt Captain K. I think they did see something strange that <clears throat> that fateful eighties uh, evening. However, if if you're asking for my opinion, which I'll give, um, I really think uh, I, I, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going classic here. I'm going classified aircraft that no one was allowed to know yeah, about. That might be. You know, you you see something. I have no reason to doubt the captain for the reasons that they said. I also have no reason to doubt uh, this FAA. Uh, you know, higher up, and it does smell to me like. If it was some sort of secret aircraft, that would be something that they would say, oh, it's a UFO, don't say anything, because it casts aspersions and doubt. That's the perfect cover-up, because as soon as you say it, people dismiss you. And that's not to say it's not. I'm just saying, like, if it was, good on the government for doing that, smart one. And if it wasn't, good on Callahan and the captain for coming forward and sticking with their guns and saying, no, fuck you. And we know at least what, as far as we can understand, we saw. So we're both agree- we're we're both in agreement oh, yeah. that we th- that we think Captain K saw something that we think that uh, uh, former police chief Callahan uh, uh, saw the radar and there really was something there. So this is the all, shit all, that people hear on. and then they go, "These motherfuckers don't even understand." They're calling him a police chief. He was never in the police. And these are the <laughs> fucking sound bites that I got to defend us on all the time. Oh, but that's why they love us. And that is uh, not so here's I, I promise. But those are the fun parts. That's why I love us. So keep going. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, hey, listen, if you don't like that, there's Gaia. So enjoy. I, my, my point is this. The the question then becomes, what was it? Right. Was it was it a classified um, um, U.S. aircraft or, or classified? Gosh, even Russian aircraft or, or, or something. Or was it something uh, a, a bit more uh, extraterrestrial? And, I, and this just goes back to my inherent belief that um, if ET has been here, they don't just fly around and kind of fuck with planes. I just don't think they do that. I, that's my inherent belief. I I I I, I understand and and respect folks that disagree with me. Um, so when thi- when things like this these type of sightings happen, I tend to. Uh, I, I'm not a disbeliever in the sighting of it itself. I just tend to, to go more towards more terrestrial. Meanwhile, there's a dolphin out in the middle of the fucking ocean right now going, I swear to God, I was swimming. 
This thing got in the water. Arms instead of flippers. Had some sort of breathing apparatus. Swam with me. Just interacted with me while I was swimming. And was gone into this mothership above me. Out of the water. Yeah, right, Frank. Again, again, again. You're what, you know, however they talk. Yeah, right. Why would they just interact with us? That makes no fucking sense. Are you like staring at like a, a Lisa Frank? <laughs> or, you know, goodbye and thanks so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> Which is probably, you know, the, the pollution's so low that the, the dolphins are returning to space right now. <laughs> we are the virus. Uh, hashtag. Yeah, you know, this is, a, this is a fun one and you can go any way you want on this one because, um, Choose your own adventure. I, I I think it's an interesting one. Could it have been aliens? Yeah, well, Brent, you Could haven't it, you haven't given us your official. It was uh, belief interdimensional yet. travelers blinking into our uh, existence. There you go. No, you idiot. It was just a flying polar bear. That makes sense to me, actually. You think about their location. <laughs> he, he nailed it. You know, he nailed it. Bigger than Walmart, obviously. It's true. Yeah. Though, again, polar bears usually are never seen flying over 30,000 feet, and most of this happened above 30,000 feet. Well, that's a valid point, but but uh, counterpoint, polar bears are huge fans of Beaujolais wine. That is true, too. That is true. Well, since the late 70s, and this was in the mid-80s, so yeah, that checks out. Yep. Well, we saw uh, the kids. What do you guys think? How can they tell us, Jonathan? Hop on Hysteria nation that is our facebook discussion group just go to facebook and search hysteria nation right or you go to facebook.com slash hysteria 51 pod that is our facebook page patreon patreon.com slash hysteria 51 you can find t-shirts and stickers and hand drawing pictures of the loch ness monster and all sorts of goodies posters pins and host your own show you cannot smell John Goforth anymore. You cannot. you cannot smell him any less if you're in this vicinity either. So it's kind of a okay. Stop. Uh, we we are all social distancing. Um, by the way, huge huge shout out, Hysteria Nation member Marie Vincent. Thank yeah. you uh, for your your interpretation of this idiot conspiracy bot. I look nothing like that. I am way sexier. <laughs> I mean. What exactly is was wrong about it, Siva? Well, first of all, everyone knows my hanger is in the second slot, and my hang low is way bigger. <laughs> I that's okay. Number one, no, that's not true. And number two, you're just trying to be offensive. I think we are just ashamed Marie, of him, Marie. Period. Thank you. Period. We're we're ashamed. We're ashamed of the robot, but we love you. So yeah, no, you. it was truly awesome. If you want to know what we're talking about, hop on. Hysteria Nation. And if you want to email us, info at hysteria51.com. Leave us a voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, that's 773-669-7277. The reason for that email address, Brent's Christian name is Info. It's true. Hand. It's pronounced Info, uh, but a lot of people can't say it, so... I well, you just said it print. louder. You didn't even pronounce no, it differently. You, you just said it louder. You perceived it that way because you can't understand my tongue. As in dialect. It's okay to be a lesser being. I don't want to understand your Tell talk. a friend about the show. That's another thing we want to ask you to do. Help us grow as a nation and jump your butts into Hysteria Nation. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. 
John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.